Hi, and welcome to Total Rewind, a podcast for movie maniacs. I'm D-Man, joined by CP, and we're really excited because today we're actually kicking off this brand new podcast segment. And uh, CP, I'm going to throw it over to you. Let's go ahead and just introduce the movie up front so everybody knows what this is, and then we can kind of explain what we're going to do. Sounds great. This week, we are going to be talking about an 80s classic. You probably have seen it. If you haven't, then you can't love movies. From 1984, The Karate Kid, starring nice. Ralph Macchio, Elizabeth Shue, and it was directed by John G. Avelson. Now, is, if I'm not mistaken, is he the guy that directed Rocky? He is, and we will talk about it later, because that was part of the inspiration for doing The Karate Kid. Okay, I thought so. And then we can't forget good old... Billy Zabka, William Zabka. Of course. I mean, we can't. Yeah, you can't forget him. I mean, he's, you know, the uh, renaissance right now of Cobra Kai. So, yeah, I mean, right? we'll get to that too. But yeah, it's pretty exciting. And I'm really thrilled because this segment of the podcast is us taking a look back at movies from the 80s and before. And we're going to kind of re examine the movies through the lens of today and see if A, they still hold up, and if they're movies that we would recommend that people who haven't seen them today should go check out. That's why we call it Total Rewind. Yeah, and that's the objective of the show is we want to see, you know, hey, there's a lot of old movies. And trust me, we've made a list. There's a lot of old movies, and we really want to examine, you know, I mean, we can only watch so many, and there's new movies coming out all the time, especially with all these streaming services and everything. So, you know, which ones are the ones that are worth going back and re-watching or watching for the first time? So that's, yes. that's it. That's the objective of the show. And we're really excited because we have a few different angles we want to look at with each movie we do, but in today's episode, The Karate Kid. So first off, I, I want to throw it over to you. We both just okay. watched the okay. movie. And one of the things that I'm really excited about, and you actually did this when you watched it, is we will be live tweeting as we watch movies each week for the yeah. new podcast episodes that we're going to do. So to our listeners, you know, if you're interested in following along as we're watching the movies, you can follow us on Twitter and we'll be live tweeting as well as if you would like to join the conversation, you can watch the movie. We'll make sure to announce what time we're going to hit play. And you can actually hit play yourself and kind of watch the movie along with us. So we yeah. thought that might be fun. That way we can all enjoy the movie together. So having watched it, we both rewatched the movie. I want to mm -hmm. throw it over to you for your initial thoughts on the rewatch. You know, what really stood out to you? What was, what was something that, you know, if you hadn't seen it in a long time that you kind of totally forgot about? Well, to be honest, I haven't seen it in a long time. Probably the last time I actually watched The Karate Kid. I think I watched it with my dad when I was in like middle school. So, so that's a while. It's been a really long time for me. And I think the first thing that stuck out to me is in so many ways, it is just quintessential 80s filmmaking yes, to the extreme. And um, that's kind of a good thing and a bad thing because I think for one of the things for me, is kind of watching that, right? It brought me back to that, to that decade. Um, right. So, but at the same time, it, well, at the same time, it dates the movie a little bit. It does feel yeah. like an eighties film. So it does feel like an older movie, right? Even though uh, the themes are universal and it's still a movie that I think people could watch today 
and enjoy just as much. I mean, it is a, a kind of a, you know, quote unquote, a relic of its time. Right. And I think that's, you know, the thing that really stood out to me on my initial thoughts was I really enjoyed the soundtrack. It was really great. It was a lot of 80s music. Um, You know, there were a couple songs in there that obviously are associated with this movie specifically. But there were some other ones that... Esposito song. (laughs) Right, yeah. You know, but there's some other ones that are just, you know, 80s music. You know, it reminds me a little bit of like Fast Times at Ridgemont High where the soundtrack was just amazing. Yeah. 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 So that really stood out. And then the other thing, which this is just kind of of note, is I didn't know this, but like Ralph Macchio was like 22 or 23 when he filmed this movie. And he seriously looks like a 16 year old. -old. Yeah, (laughs) I think he's even playing a 17 year old in the movie because I think they actually celebrate like his 18th birthday. And I can't maybe I'm wrong because I I know. No, I thought he turned 16 because he gets his license. Yeah, he gets his license. But I want to say, maybe I'll rewatch it again. Because I'm like, I want to say Miyagi <laughs> says like, happy 18th birthday or something. So I don't know. But anyway, he looks like a 16-year-old. Wow. And I was blown away not knowing that he was older when he filmed this. And it's funny, too, because if you see Ralph Macchio today, he almost seems like, you know, hopefully you're watching this, Ralph. But you seem a little short. <laughs> um, and when you actually look, he looks like a tall, dangly kid. Or yeah. not dangly, gangly. <laughs> which is kind of funny that's true i never really thought about it to be honest um but i do also think that was kind of more of a commonplace back then it seems like if my memory serves me right a lot of kind of in the 80s and before teen movies were played by non-teens yes and then the other i want to say there's another example let me think for one second oh yes i remember uh, in Modern Family, the sitcom, the girl that plays Haley, Sarah Highland, I think she also was playing like a 15 or 16 year old, but she was like 21 in season one. So <laughs> wow. that, that still goes on. That okay. still happens. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, so watching, you right, I mean, obviously the 80s music is a big part of it. The 80s fashion is a big part of it. I was actually kind of blown away. There's a part where Daniel is wearing a plaid shirt like me with nice. camo <laughs> army pants. And I was like, wow, I never would have thought that that would have passed like uh, the fashion test, but you know, guess it was just a different place, different time, different people. Yeah, I mean, hey, they still got, it's the 80s, right? Kids are riding their bikes, it's amazing. I mean, granted, he does get his license and he gets gifted a car. But at the end of the day, I mean, he is riding a bike around, yeah. which is, you know, pretty 80s, pretty 90s. They go to the, you know, like, the, there's that scene where they go to the arcade and, like, how 80s is yeah. that, you know? I wish and arcades to, were still around. They were, they were fun. And then to top it off, the movie actually has two 80s style montages, which, I mean, the montage was like, you know, the bread and butter of 80s cinema. So the fact that they had enough, you know, self-awareness to put in two really kind of cements it in what they were trying to do at the time and it does make sense because it's the director of rocky yeah and so (laughs) yeah i mean you know you got rocky come on montages yeah Yeah. i mean it's gotta happen yeah so anyway uh what i wanted to jump into you know our first major segment on this episode is on culture now something that that really stood out to me was how relevant some of the quotes and some of the the elements from the Karate Kid are still relevant in today's culture. Wax on, wax off, um, you know, the crane, Mm -hmm. uh, sweep the leg. Yeah, yeah. You know, these things are still said. 
like it, it can't be understated the cultural impact that the original Karate Kid had on our lexicon. Yeah. Well, I mean, case in point, right? This inspired, you know, the series from YouTube, which is now on Netflix, inspired by the show. So clearly there's value in watching this for for anyone who hasn't seen it on the basis of, you know, there is this this cultural pop culture, you know, kind of- exactly you know, refer- collective reference, you know, anytime you walk by someone in their waxing their car, you know, someone always makes some joke about wax on and wax off, right? Like that's just the world we yeah. live in. And you need to kind of understand where those things come from because for, you know, the same quote being relevant for almost 40 years later, like they did something right. Right. And then just little things like Daniel's son is still like, if you hear that, you think karate kid, or um, even Mr. Miyagi. I was gonna say, right? Anytime you know a mentor is referenced as a Mr. Miyagi, you know exactly who that person is. He's such a great archetype. Yeah, I think you know number one is probably Yoda, but then after that, you have a couple of them, and Miyagi's right there. Yeah, yeah. So right. yeah, if you ever hear that, you're like, oh yeah, it's Karate Kid, of course. He has that so, cryptic style of teaching. He has all those very wise sayings, which which are somewhat um, up for interpretation. And you find out that he has these total badass powers lurking beneath this very calm, right. and gentle, and almost feeble exterior. Like when he, you know, saves Daniel from getting jumped by the Cobra Kais. Right. And, you know, it's, which is also a really cool scene because if you think about it, he's, he's like this old man kicking like teenage ass, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's like oh, beating yeah. up teenagers. I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> so today you'd probably get arrested i think i don't know you'd have to be stealth about it but back then it was like hey don't be a jerk or uh, no and, and in if, fact right they even show you when he goes into the jojo he's like hey you're the guy who beat up my kids yeah you know or um, even like you think about that guy i forget his name in the movie is it fleece what's yeah. his name yeah uh the cobra kai uh dojo leader you know he even okay. says like yeah, he says something along the lines of, you know, hey, if uh, he doesn't show up for the tournament, then it's open season. You're like, what? <laughs> right. Another sign of the times, like the, there is a, a blatant acknowledging of the acceptability of bullying, which just doesn't yeah. fly in culture today, you know? No, it's weird because, you know, if you actually look at Daniel throughout the movie, I mean, it's not like they make fun of him. Like they actually beat him up. He has like a black eye. He's got like scrapes. Multiple like, times. Yeah, and, like, and, and what's weird is there's so many adults in the film who just acknowledge it as the way that it is. His mom is very accepting of it to some ways. Where, I mean, like a mom now would be down there at the school, like, you know, demanding yeah. action. Uh, when he goes to the to the dinner with, uh, you know, and gets oh, the spaghetti yeah. spilled on him, like everyone just kind of laughs like, oh, okay, whatever, kid. Um no, I feel like today people would stand up and be like, you know, what a jerk. Like, yeah. Why would you yeah. do that? Yeah. And back then it was like, you know, hey, I guess, you know, for lack of a better phrase, shit happens. Yeah, right. That's I guess that's just the 80s mentality that, you know, all Gen Xers were kind of raised with. So, you know, I was, yeah, I was just really uh, fascinated watching it again, knowing how culturally relevant that film is and still remains you know and if we're talking about culture i think we also have to acknowledge cobra kai which you know is so far i think through three seasons but it's renewed for a fourth Mm -hmm. and you know 
people do realize that the Karate Kid is an ongoing series and, yeah. you know, there's multiple movies, even, you know, a remake with Jaden Smith and Jackie, Jackie Chan. Chan. But, you know, when you think about its cultural re- relevance, it hasn't faded. In fact, with the, you know, emergence of Cobra Kai, I'd say that it's even grown. And, you know, that kind of makes the original Karate Kid even more, uh, you know, required viewing, I guess. Yeah, and doing some research for the film, right? They talked about at the time how, the film was so important in kind of putting martial arts and karate within the United States on the map. And I mean, I know that when you were growing up and when I were growing up, obviously like um, I knew tons of people who did karate and the whole concept of, of martial arts was very mainstream. And that really goes back to this film in 84. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like the uh, you know Jurassic Park effect on, what was that, paleontology? Yeah. Where it was like, you know, hey, Jurassic Park came out and all these kids were like, wow, I want to learn about dinosaurs. You know, you see the Karate Kid, you're like, I want to learn karate. Yeah. You know, not only for, you know, and I think that's, you know, obviously the movie kind of hints at this, especially through Miyagi's teachings, but that karate is more than just a physical ability to uh, master these moves, but really kind of a, you know, internal, um, yeah, discipline that allows you to kind of uh, realize your full self. Exactly. So, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, it was pretty neat. It was fun watching it again, knowing now how culturally culturally relevant it still is today. Exactly. But something else I wanted to talk about is also the effects from the film. So this effects kind of encompasses, uh, you know, sometimes it'll be like digital effects, sometimes it'll be practical effects, sometimes it'll be fight scenes, it might be music, whatever but uh, kind of the mechanics of how the movie works. So I wanted to ask you, do you think the movie holds up in that regard? Um, I think that's actually one of the failures of the film in the sense that, you know, in almost 40 years since we have developed this whole culture, uh, you know, subculture of cinema, you know, kind of like MMA films and boxing films. And um, yeah, it's very, um, I, I, I don't want to use the word amateur, but it feels very basic in terms of the way that they film the combat. In fact, in many ways, like the whole film is building to this, uh, you know, karate tournament at the end of the film. And it's 10 minutes of film. Yeah. It's also, it's rather anticlimactic. I mean, they get to the point where like he injures his leg, but you know, obviously there's the famous line, sweep the leg, and that kid does it, and he's like, I'm sorry, Daniel, like, I didn't want to do it. So there's, like, a little dramatic energy right there, but other than that, I mean, it happens very, very fast. Yeah. Um, You know, before you know it, he's back out there. Well, and I think part of it is, right, as an audience, we've been desensitized to what the potential of these these, uh, hand-to-hand combat scenes are, right? I mean, a couple months ago, we watched Mortal Kombat, which, you know, has some of these elaborate you know drawn out fight sequences that are are flashy and stylistic and this is not that i mean in many ways this kind of inspired that whole genre of filmmaking and you know uh it's the foundation so we need to know it we need to you know acknowledge it and respect it but it doesn't you know if you're watching this as a as an eight-year-old kid i think you're going to be disappointed because it's not the karate movie that it could be or even that it was viewed as in its time right but today you know i mean i like something i grew up with and i'm not saying that 
the karate moves are more correct or even better. But I mean, I felt like there was a little bit more uh, drama, especially at the end was like the three ninjas Mm. where at the end it's, I feel like the film itself is doing more for dramatic reach, not necessarily the karate moves, but it feels more dramatic. There's a little bit more at stake, uh, you know, these kids lives and all this different stuff where in the karate kid, you know, it's they're they're in a point system, a tournament, you know, no, no one's lives at risk here. Um, you know, Daniel's just trying to yeah. overcome his bullies and that's what sends him back out there. But I mean, even the actual end, he literally does the crane move. Johnny runs over, hands him the trophy. They hold him up and he's like, Miyagi, we did it. Cut and it, to like, black. It's yeah. It almost feels like it was, it's cut too soon. Like you need like another minute of two of, of kind of the like building out the moment and the celebratory, right? Like it just, it ends so quick. It's like, it's like there are, was a producer in the background, like wrap it up guys. We got like, we're over budget, like cut it now. I th- something funny though, I looked this up too, but I didn't know this. This movie started filming in like mid-October and it was done by mid-December. Wow. So maybe they were. <laughs> like, they filmed it. I want to say like, if you actually look at the dates, it's actually, they filmed the whole thing in less than two months. And this movie is like all film. There's, you know, it's not like they're doing like green screen and blue screen and like all this crazy stuff. It's all like actual locations in the Valley that you can go to today. Yeah. So I don't know. It was, it was interesting, but I have to agree with you that as far as the effects go, um, the fighting in particular, I was not disappointed. I just don't know that it's something that would really, you know, uh, get people excited today the way it did in its own time. Um, And part of it is actually the film, making pacing i mean they just move through it so fast like even you know the inconsistencies like in the end fight with johnny you know he does the crane move and like kicks him in the head right and they're like point win but like right before that johnny like punched him in the face and they didn't give johnny a point and i was like i don't know what's going on here well and and, i mean the thing that like daniel masters the crane you would think that there would be a little bit more moment of recognition of his achieving this this you know signature move that you know we see you know Miyagi doing as a master and what a great opportunity to kind of draw it out and and kind of recognizing his growth and we kind of just run right through it without taking the moment that I think is warranted by the character but something that I really did enjoy is actually the middle section of the movie I liked the pacing there where he kind of develops his relationship with Mr. Miyagi he's Uh, taking in some of the training because you know especially early on when the training begins even myself you know I know what happens but you know Mr. Miyagi has him doing all these chores and doing all this different stuff and I was like you know if it was me as a kid I would eventually be like you know what are you are you just trying to get me to do do yard chores (laughs) yeah like (laughs) what's going on here yeah and Daniel does get there but what a great scene though, where, you know, he kind of shows him like, you know, how to do the moves and, yeah. and what it, what it is. I think it's probably one of the coolest ones in the movie. Cause we see yeah. his style of teaching and how, you know, through muscle memory and, and, and making him do these things that we thought were menial tasks, there is actually this greater purpose behind it. And yeah. And I love him without training him. That's cool. Learning, you know, Mr. Miyagi's story, obviously he has, you know, a soft spot for Daniel. He, Uh, does get him a birthday cake he gets him presents on his birthday you know they end up having like a really strong bond and Miyagi you know all the way through right all the way to the very end 
um, ends up saying something along the lines of like, you know, win or lose, you already won. You know, you proved everybody wrong. And it's not really about winning. Like you don't have to go out there and win this to uh, be proud of what you've done. But, you know, as far as pacing for the movie, I really liked that middle section. But yeah, the end to me is is rushed. It's it's a little bit too quick. Mm-hmm. I agree. Totally agree. So finally, uh, I wanted to throw to you um, a little bit about the story. So I want to talk okay. a little bit about how the characters, do they still stand the test of time? Are these characters that we should look up to, that uh, you know we should take value from their stories? And, you know, in that regard, um, is it still worth watching? I think yes and no. I think when we look at the character of Miyagi, he is a great, you know, he's like the epitome of the archetype of, of, of that mentor role. Right, yeah. He teaches Daniel not about martial arts only. He teaches him about life. He teaches him about accepting who he is. He gives him confidence. He teaches him about growing up and becoming, you know, a, a man, right? Yeah. He teaches him about, you know, kind of that that Uncle Ben phrase of, you know, with power comes responsibility. And right. you have to, you know, you want to, you know, if you're going to do things, you have to commit 100%. You have to do them for the right reasons. That's all totally valuable. And in a lot of ways, I think that 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 role that he plays is still really relevant to people, you know, in any way, kind of when there's the generational passing of knowledge. Um, as far as Daniel, he feels very rooted in the 80s. I mean, I always thought it was weird at the beginning. Yeah. How, how upset he is that he's leaving New Jersey for California. I'm like, I've been to New I Jersey. I might be a little excited. Yeah. I've been to California. <laughs> I mean, it seems like you're getting a pretty sweet deal there, man. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Like if you have to leave your friends and stuff and like home is home, but, and, and I mean, we can actually speak to that, right? Like we've both lived in Indiana and then came yeah. to California. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, do I want to go back to Indiana? No, but no. The one interesting thing about Daniel's character that I noticed was the fact that while he gets frustrated, right, with especially with his bullying, in many ways, um, it is kind of admirable because it does not deter him, right? Yeah. Um, which is kind of cool because I feel like in many ways, a, a movie today that was looking at bullying, it would be very much about embrace kind of the fact that Daniel, you know, had become a, you know, you know, how he was being unfairly targeted, how he, you know, and you could almost see a character kind of developing a victim mindset, which Daniel doesn't really seem to, despite there's a whole no. third of the movie with people just kind of beating the crap out of him repeatedly. Well, I mean, he does at, at a certain point before uh, Miyagi kind of takes him under his wing, he it is kind of avoiding, right? Yeah. And who would, who would, yeah. right? Like yeah. if you're going to get your ass kicked, like you're not going to want to go over there. Um, but I mean, you know, it does kind of impact his, you know, relationship with Allie. And, you know, that's kind of a common thing throughout the, the love story is, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of, uh, right. It starts off with Johnny showing up and breaking her radio. And then, right. Like you said, he yeah. kind of avoids them, which, you know, means he doesn't get to spend time with her. And then there's the scene at the um, dinner. The dinner. So, but I know what you're saying when it comes to bullying, right? Like the movie itself kind of empowers the idea of like, hey, uh, make sure you stand up for yourself. Don't, Mm. 
uh, just adopt that victim mentality. And right, the movie's saying like, hey, you know, there's a lot we can do in self-improvement to make ourselves better and give us the ability to stand up for ourselves yeah. when the moment calls for it. And, you know, it's nice that I think the, the story structures that around the tournament uh, because it eliminates bullying, you know, kind of in the wild, right, at school. Yeah. Yeah. His, you know, Johnny's friends even kind of hold him back a couple of times where they're like, hey, you know, they said no bullying. And they're kind of like, let's settle this, you know, like sports are like, let's settle this on the court or in this yeah. case at the tournament. Yeah. And they do. And to some degree, right, uh, the tournament also validates that even though these kids are bullies, um, you know, that is learned. And they kind of express that at the tournament where the one kid is like, Daniel, I'm sorry. And then at the very end, Johnny even brings the trophy over and is like, you know, you did it, Daniel. Like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, you kind of won our respect, but not Which that Which is exactly it. what Miyagi tells him. He's like, you know, if you stand and fight and, and hold your ground, you know, you're going to earn their respect regardless. Yeah, and not that you need it, right? Uh, they are bullies, and especially whatever the guy's name was, who is the, you know, sensei of, of Cobra Kai. He's he's a dick, right? You know, um, she, I forget. Yeah, yeah I forget his something. What is it? Yeah. Lease or something. And he, uh, you know, he even says he has a saying at the end where he's like, "No mercy" or something. Crease, like that. that's it. Yeah, that's crease. It. And he's like, "No mercy" or whatever, you know, and. There's not, you know, as far as the story is concerned, you know, there's not really a place for that type of mentality anymore. But I think there is something to be said about the overall theme of self-empowerment, standing up for yourself. And, uh, you know, that's universal. I don't think mm -hmm. that's a relic of the 80s. I think that's as relevant today as, you know, has ever been. Yeah, no, I would agree. That's definitely true. So, you know, let's go ahead and throw it over to you then. Uh, if you know, we're looking at this as a, you know, a film 80s and before, would you recommend this film to people who haven't seen it or particularly uh, kids or, you know, people that are growing up now um, that obviously we have our own stories that are being made today, but is this one they should go back in time and, you know, check out? I don't know, you know, in five years from now, I don't know that it will be as much. I think part of the reason why it really is still somewhat relevant is the fact that now there's a whole generation of parents who grew up watching this film. And I think it's a good way to connect and understand kind of that generations who, who are kind of, you know, uh, their parents now, they're raising kids. Right. Um, as kids, they watch the movie. And I think it's an awesome way to connect and kind of understand, you know, again, where they're coming from. But if I'm saying you need to watch it as a filmmaker because you're going to learn so much and, and it's going to shape your understanding of cinema and the potential of storytelling. No, I don't, I don't think that it holds up in those ways. Yeah. What I actually agree with you about that in the sense that yes, in terms of filmmaking, I don't think it's pushing any boundaries. Uh, it's pretty, it's filmed pretty stock, right. Using standard techniques. Um, it does look a certain way, like it has an 80s vibe to it, but that's probably just the way things were filmed at the time, more yeah. so than it is this, you know, dramatic artistic choice. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I, I would say that its relevance really stems from its uh, cultural importance. So obviously Cobra Kai is out. Um, there are a lot of phrases from the movie that we still say today. 
Um, and if, if that's something that you're interested in, then I think definitely it's worth going back and checking out. I'm, I'm assuming if you've seen Cobra Kai, there are tons and tons of references all the way back. I think they even use clips of Mr. Miyagi in Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely worth going back and seeing. But yeah, as you know, just the, the filmmaking itself, even like we said, the fight scenes are a little dated. They're not as dramatic as I think they were when they when it came out. Um, but yeah, just for cultural relevance, I think the movie does still, uh, warrant a viewing, but yeah, if you're just a filmmaker trying to figure out what old movies you should definitely check out, I don't think this is the one. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair so, enough. But I had fun. I mean, total rewind. We got to go back and watch a really awesome movie because there's no denying Karate Kid is great. No, like fun. I enjoyed watching it. So uh, you know, is it required viewing? Maybe not, but it was fun to go back and then get a chance to discuss it with you. I hope yeah. that everyone tuning in uh, kind of enjoyed our uh, conversation on the entire movie. Let no. us know your thoughts on, on exactly. Karate Kid. And more importantly, what a great opportunity for us to plug it. The next movie that D-Man and I are going to be watching is, I know, one of his favorites and one of mine, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So... Get ready to watch along with us. And I mean, let's not kid ourselves. If you haven't seen Raiders, then you really can't call yourself a movie fan in any way. So I feel like, change that. Yeah, if you haven't seen Raiders, go check out our uh, social media at Film Comp Podcast or Filmmakers Compass. You can just type that into Google. I'm sure it'll, it'll find us. But uh, I would go check that out. We're going to let you guys know what time we'll be watching the movie. We may, CP and I may be watching it together. We may be watching it separately. But if you've never seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, make sure to keep your eye out for the uh, the watch times and join us because you'll enjoy it.